Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to church, everybody. Welcome to Church Online. We're so happy that you're joining us today. However you're joining us, wherever you're joining us from, we're just so happy, so glad um, that you're joining us. You know, every year, really, since our inception as a church, we've paused as a church on this weekend and just taken time to breathe and to rest and to get still and to put our focus and our attention on God himself and not necessarily on what, uh, what we do for him. So thank you for joining us uh, with us in that today. And I pray that you've had an amazing Christmas weekend and, and a Christmas week. I hope you've had some time off, you've eaten some good food, and most importantly, that you're ready for a brand new year. You know, I don't know um, how you're feeling right now uh, in this season of your life. Maybe, hopefully, this year has been the best year yet, and I pray that's true for you. But maybe for some of you, um, it's been difficult or... Uh, maybe there's been some challenges. Maybe there's been some serious complications or, or loss or failure on some level for you. And you'd say it's been a hard year. And others of you, maybe it's been a great year in many ways, but you would say right now, I'm just tired and you're, you're worn out. And maybe you're worn out for some really good reasons, like good things have been happening, but tired nonetheless. Whatever the case is, I, I think it's true that in our culture, Many of us are worn out on some level, just in general, and especially so at the end of the year, by the grind, by, by the pace of life, by the challenges that we all face. So, so I want to finish out 2023 for our church, for LifePoint Church, by talking about rest. On this Sabbath weekend, where we as a church have intentionally hit the stop button, Not just the pause button, but the stop button. We've put it all on pause, and I want to talk about rest. And I'll just talk to me first, right out of the gate. It seems that almost every year, uh, at this point in the year, I feel completely worn out, sort of beat up and exhausted at a a kind of soul level. Um, And that's certainly true of me right now. And, And so this is most likely probably a word for me. Uh, and maybe just me alone, I don't know. But, but, but maybe it's something that some of you will relate to as well. Maybe you're coming in today and to this moment that we're here together with and, and you're, you're worn out a bit as well. Maybe you're longing for some rest, maybe an escape of sorts from the chaos of this world. And, and I just believe, please, please hear this, I just believe that we were made for more than getting stuck in an endless cycle of worrying and working ourselves to the bone and then looking for new ways to numb ourselves or escape from all of that. And I think many of us though, are stuck in that cycle of working, grinding, beating ourselves up, getting exhausted and then looking for new ways to numb and escape. And so just as we begin today, I wanna do something a little different. Um, We're going to sing one more song here in just a moment. And before we do, um, I'd like to invite us just to take a moment before we move on to the Word of God. And I'd like us to pause and invite God 
into our space. Now, I don't mean like into our, our house or our car. You've already done that. We've already worshiped. We've already invited God in. I mean into our, into our headspace, like to turn our attention and our focus on the God who never grows tired, who never grows weary, and just sit with him in for, for this moment. And I'd love for you, and I know this is a little weird, and I think I asked you to do this last year. I'd love for you to take a few deep breaths. Just take a breath, take a deep breath. And, and lay aside for a moment whatever it is that you may be carrying right now. Like what, whatever's facing you, whatever's waiting for you tomorrow or this week, just for a moment, lay that down the feet of Jesus. That's just a decision you make to just go, yeah, I'm going to lay this down. And maybe you just say that, Lord, I'm laying all this down at your feet. Just right where you are. As I'm going to read these words from Jesus from Matthew's gospel over you. And then Noel and Jacob are going to play and sing. And Jesus just says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. I love that. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Just take a second To be still and stop wrestling To lay down all my questions And watch you move Watch you move When I turn my agenda To holy surrender when you finally the center you lead me through you lead me through no more distance in between us I have access to your presence no more striving to be perfect by your great love I'm made righteous I have access I have access to your No more.
just me, but when I sit down like this, slow down, and remember that I have access to the presence of God, when I begin to feel His Spirit just wash over me, I just kind of don't want that to end. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think when we experience God's presence in a slowing kind of way, it reminds us that we all have within us a deep need for that. For, for real rest. Now, not just the kind of rest we get at night when, we, when our heads hit the pillow. No, man, like a, like a deeper rest, a rest from our nagging ambitions, a rest from our kind of ceaseless striving, from, from the stresses, from the weights of the burdens that, that all of us have to carry in our lives, a rest from, from even the consequences of the mistakes that we've made. We need a rest from the disappointments we've experienced in life. We, we need what Jesus offered in Matthew 11, a rest for our souls. We, we need a way of getting uh, away from the noise, the chaos, the hurry of our world, even if it's just for moments, and, and sitting in, in, in peace at the feet of Jesus. But, but often, what we choose instead is just to escape the noise, the pressures, the, the stress in life. Instead of choosing access to his presence, where there's peace, where there's fullness of joy, the psalmist says, we choose instead some kinds of escapism, right? And, and I think maybe subconsciously we have 
associated the idea of rest with, with escape. And so we scroll, and so we shop, and so we stream, and search, and watch, and binge, and plan the next vacation. Come on, I love my, myself a vacation, right? And yet, so often when we come back, we come back to the fact that we're still just tired at a, at a soulish level, and all of that, all of the things that I just mentioned, don't actually do anything real for us, right? Anything that lasts. The world just keeps coming at me and we just keep feeling like we have to grind away and and we've numbed ourselves so much now that we have just assumed that this is now what our lives are meant to be, how it just is. And and, and I want you to think about it. We, we, We buy all of these things hoping to make life better, life easier, things that feel like rest, things that look like they're gonna give us rest or comfort and safety and yet truth is Many of us, maybe, maybe even most of us, feel very far removed from the rest that Jesus offers us in Matthew 11. And instead, there's often busyness and there's stress and there's conflict and there's anxiety and there's worry and there's anger. Come on, man, there's this real talk, right? There's grief, there's, there's pain. And all of this is hard to shake off of us. And then you add to that that the work that we have to get done, our jobs, right? And then for many of us, we don't want to even stop working, even when we can, because in our work, what we do, how we do it, it gets tied up in within us a, a sense of who we are, like our identity, our purpose, our worth is tied to what we do, how we work, and we just don't want to stop working. And I think it's true that the side effects of the endless churning and striving that we do as Americans to be bigger and better and get more amid the insatiable buying and earning and striving to get bigger, better is, and more is this, the net result of that is this chronic restlessness that plagues much, if not most of our society. And, and what we need is soul level rest in the presence of Jesus. And what we've gotten instead is restlessness, this this disquieting notion that, that none of it is ever enough. And so we jump from job to job. We jump from church to church, from relationship to relationship, from hobby to hobby, from purchase to purchase, right? And all of it to get a sort of temporary high, a hit of sorts, but none of it, none of it does for us what we hope it will do. And then, it can be all too easy for us to equate escape with rest. So, so often, we wanna get away and think of nothing and do mind-numbing things and call that rest. And this is not, this is not what Jesus is offering us. So, so why then is soul level rest, the kind that Jesus promised us as followers of Jesus, why is it such an elusive concept for us? It, it, it's not always been this way. I, w- I wanna take you back for a minute. In the beginning of the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, right? <clears throat> we learn the reason why people feel restless, why people can feel like they're ever wandering and never arriving, why people feel like there is no sense of home, of place, can't truly rest, we are told in Genesis that we, Adam and Eve, the people, human race, was created by, were created by God, for God, 
to live in the garden of, of God in Eden, right? That was the world that you and I were meant to inhabit, a place of perfection, a place where there was no parting from love and joy, from intimacy, there was no decay, there was no disease. It was all these things because it was life lived in the presence of God, before God, in a life-giving, intimate relationship with God. As human beings, we were there to, to have relationship with God, to adore him, to, to serve his, his glory, to know, to enjoy, to reflect his infinite beauty. That's the original home. That's the original design. That's the true country that we were made for. However, the Bible teaches us that like the, 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 the parable of the prodigal son that in Jesus' parable, God was the father of that home of Eden and people, humanity chafed under his authority, just like the son does in Jesus' parable. We wanna live without God's interference. We want God, but we run from God, right? We wanna be the captain of our fates. And so we turned away and became alienated from him and lost our home for the same reason that the younger brother lost his. The result is a kind of exile. For the prodigal, for Adam and Eve, who were forcibly removed from Eden, the Bible lets us in, and, and, and the unfolding of the, story, of the story of man, it lets us in on the fact that we have been wandering through life as spiritual exercise, uh, exiles. That, that is, we have been living in a world that no longer fits our deepest longings, our deepest needs, and a kind of chronic restlessness, a yearning for something we can't even put our finger on has plagued us ever since. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man, an internal, eternal search engine that keeps us pressing out for something else. Though we long for bodies that run and don't grow weary, we have become subject in the beginning to disease and aging and death. Though we need a love that lasts, all of our relationships, as it turns out, are subject to the inevitable entropy of time. And they crumble, if not by betrayal and abandonment, then by loss and by death. We want to make a difference in the world through our work. And, and, and yet, often, we experience a sense, a kind of endless frustration that we are not making the difference that we set out to make. We almost never fully realize our hopes and our dreams that we had as young people. We, we may work hard to sort of recreate the home that we're missing, but as we find out from Jesus' parable, it only exists in the presence of our heavenly Father from whom we like sheep have gone astray. This world as it exists now is not the home we long for. And most of us never realize this, the, rest of, the restlessness within us is often just a plaintive cry for home. So, so it's against this background, this, this knowledge, that we're to understand the meaning of Sabbath and why we're doing this this weekend. Our, our English word Sabbath is simply a transliteration of the Hebrew word, the original word, which just means rest. And it first appears uh, in the second chapter of Genesis where we encounter something that on first examination is mysterious and profound that, that God, this all-powerful, all-knowing, all, ever-present being who never grows tired or weary, inexplicably, chooses to stop and rest. 
Here it is, Genesis 2, 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, notice these words, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And he gives us the reason why. Because on the seventh day, he rested from all the work of creating that he, that God had done. So the seventh day is often referred to as the Sabbath. The Hebrew word Shabbat literally means to cease, desist, stop, rest. And in Exodus, it actually becomes one of the Ten Commandments. The seventh day, though, was not blessed because it was a day of rest. It was blessed, the text tells us, because God is the one who stopped and chose to rest on that day, on the seventh day. And that's an important distinction for us to make because it puts God in the proper place in Sabbath. Right, Because far beyond a, a mere command to his people, the Sabbath is meant to say something powerful uh, to us about God himself. God, as we see in creation, isn't a, a de- deity wringing his sweaty hands in a panic, trying to wring every moment out of every day. Right? No, he speaks to the world, to the universe, to the darkness, to the nothingness, and it comes to be. Like out of nothing, he creates everything, and he does it in six days, and we can wrestle about what those six days mean, right? But he rests on the seventh day just because he can. He wants us to know right from the start what the rhythms of our lives should look like, that he, he, God, who doesn't ever grow tired or weary, who doesn't need anything, and yet he chooses to stop and rest. And he demonstrates for us what the right rhythm of life is gonna be look like. And rather than rest being the thing that satisfies our longing, we're able to begin to see right from the beginning that it is God alone who can satisfy. And then I want you to just think about the grace and the goodness of God in this first act. In the creative narrative, we find out that God created Adam and Eve on the sixth day, right? It was the sixth day, go read it. Which means that on the seventh day, which was their first day of living life, the first thing he has them do is rest. And you know what that tells us? That rest that access to the presence of God, where we find rest, was not created, as we often think of it, as a reward, but rather as an act of worship. That Adam and Eve had not had a chance to produce anything, and yet God says to them, this is a gift, right, of grace that I'm gonna give you as an act of grace. And when you cease, when you stop, when you, when you choose to gain access to my presence, that will be an act of worship unto me. And so when you and I, Think about this, when you and I just continue to grind ourselves to the bone and and buy and surf and stream and scroll and numb as a way of escape, which we think is some kind of rest, we miss the point that was true for them and remains true for us, that it's only God and it's only in God's presence that we can be satisfied, that we can find soul level rest, which is why Jesus makes this claim in Matthew 11. Right? It's not a reward for how hard we work for him. In fact, it's a gift of undeserved, unmerited favor given to us as a way to worship God, to find access to his presence and there in his presence find rest. And by engaging and ceasing and stopping in Sabbath, it becomes an act of worship to God. And in that act of worship, we find real rest. God models this for us because he wants us to choose this as an act of worship. To him, it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, he knows it's good for us mentally, emotionally, physically to stop and rest. So it's out of his loving kindness that he wants us to practice it. But he also wants us to practice it to show him 
that we trust him, right? When we rest, when we practice a Shabbat, a Sabbath, we are essentially communicating to God that we trust him with everything that's on our to-do list. We give him our first, we give him our best, we trust him with the rest. And rather than being making ourselves the captains of our own fate, which is what Adam and Eve tried to do, which is what the prodigal son tries to do, and, 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 and schedule our lives to make us the heroes of our own stories, by practicing Sabbath, we are saying, God, you are over all. You are the captain of it all. You alone are the one who holds everything together. And this is why the writer of Hebrews lets us know in Hebrews 1 3 that God, that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And then these words, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That, that's who's offering you this rest. He's got it all going on spinning at the same time for me and for you and for the entire universe and stopping to rest and stopping to gain access to his presence is our way of saying, God, we trust that you have it all together, that you are in fact holding all things together by the word of your power. And and so then what is the net result, you might wonder, of practicing Sabbath, this act of ceasing and stopping and gaining access to the presence? Well, I think a huge part of it is joy. That our sustained joy in life is at stake if we do not practice rest, Sabbath, access to the presence of God. And I think it's true that many of us listening to this do not have a sense that we have true joy in our lives, sustained joy in our lives, joy unspeakable and full of glory, the Bible says, right? And here's what the prophet says. And I just, I just want to read this um, for you. I'm sure we'll have this on the screen as well. This is Isaiah 58. It says in verse 11, the Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your, need, uh, your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Then verse 13, if you keep your feet, notice these words, from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please on my holy day. Um, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day as honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, by, like by doing your own thing, and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. If, if God says through the prophet Isaiah to the people of the nation of Israel, And I think in this case, by extension, some of this is for us. If you do life the way God designed you and I to do life, and we entrust our cares to the God who made us, and we access his presence both daily and weekly through, through worship and rest, if we honor God with the rhythms of our lives, like and, and not just do whatever we please, God says, then you will find your joy in the Lord, right? And, and notice again that the joy is found where? In the Lord, not, not in things, not in accomplishments, not in vacations and houses and toys. Like, I love all that, right? But it's only found in the Lord. It has always been true, and it will always be true that the true rest comes only in the presence of the Lord. And I'm almost done. And the rest that you and I, there is a rest that you and I will only ever access in heaven. Hebrews 4 is this... Um, this, this topic of rest it, it, from verses, I think, 1 through 13. It's all about rest. And the writer says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, 
talking about rest here. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it, of, have found fallen short of getting that rest. Verse nine, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, meaning there is to come. There is Sabbath now, but there is another kind of Sabbath that is to come for the people of God. This is Hebrews 4, 1 and 9. He's saying that there is a rest that is both now and not yet. There is a rest that can be found now by enjoying God's presence, by gaining access to the presence as we sang. But he says that we can actually miss that, that we can, his words are fall short of it. But there's also a rest that only comes when this life is over in heaven. And I want you to think about heaven with me. Just go here with me for a minute. What will make heaven, heaven? Like, well, like we're told that heaven is this spectacularly beautiful place, right? Streets of gold, walls of jasper, gates of pearl, perfection and beauty everywhere. Like it sounds amazing. Like the Bible says, no eye can, has seen, no ear can know, or he has heard, no mind can know what God has prepared, has in store for us, right? But I'd argue that those are not the things that are gonna make heaven, heaven. Because I think you, it's true that you can get used to the beauty if you're surrounded by it all the time. Like people who live in the Rocky Mountains, you think they think of the Rocky Mountains the way you and I do, right? They just see bumps in the road, right? If you live in Hawaii, right, the views can get old. Like I, I, I remember my first trip to Maui, the first waterfall, mind blown, right? Crazy bro, look at this, right? By the 15th one of that day, because we did like 15 that day, it's like, what else y'all got, you know, yawning? What will make heaven heaven? Jesus will. Heaven is lit up by Jesus. The Bible says he's the only light that we'll ever need. And our rest comes on earth in his presence, but it is limited, it is finite. Our final rest promised here in Hebrews is again in heaven. And what makes it, what makes it heaven? comes from access to his presence. Unlimited access to his power, to his glory, to his beauty. And it's the home we've always been longing for at a soul level and never knew. It's a return to the garden of God the human race has been looking for ever since the beginning of time. And at the end of the story, remember this, at the end of the story of the prodigal son, there's a feast of homecoming. And do you remember, do you remember that there's this full circle moment in Revelation 19? At the end of history, there is a feast a celebration, a homecoming celebration called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. This feast happens in the New Jerusalem, the city of God that comes down out of heaven to fill the earth, chapters 21 and 22. We are told that, that the very presence of God is in this city, like it, 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 it invades, it inhabits every moment, every space of the city. And so there is in the city a tree of life whose leaves now affect healing for the entire nations, all nations. The tree of life, of course, was in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. And now at the end of history, the whole earth has become the Garden of God again. Perfection in all of its ways. Death, decay, suffering, gone. The nations no longer at war. The weapons of war turn into plowshares. And finally and fully, we find home and rest with our God. We have access to the presence, the power, and the glory of God at all times. No walls, no distractions no striving, no worries, no pain, no shame, only and ever, Jesus. And until then, listen, 
We can put down our tools. We can close our computers. We can shut down those thoughts about the next e email or the next meeting. And, and we can stop and we can trust him who the Bible says justifies the ungodly. And we can trust that when Jesus died in our place on the cross, he died to destroy all the anxieties of our own lack, to still our ceaseless striving, to hush the winds of our self-justifying labor, to irrevocably connect us to the abundance of his grace that we possess by his work, not by ours. And we can know that Jesus is the one who will provide that rest because Jesus is the one who came and took on himself the restlessness of our lives. The word became flesh, John said, and dwelt among us. He knows the brokenness. He knows the sinfulness of this world, the pressures that we face, and he took all the consequences of sin and death on himself at the cross. And yet it was by his resurrection that he defeated all of those things. And he defeated sin and death and he brings about a kingdom he ushers in a kingdom. He's the one who brings in and establishes the true Sabbath rest of the new creation, eternal rest. And we can live then in hopeful expectation of a God who promises us that this life, it's not all there is. But there is still to come a day when there will be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, death, conflict, strife. There is still a day coming with a new heaven and a new earth. So, final words, keep looking up. Christian, follower of Jesus, believer, this life is not all there is for you. Don't just look around. Keep your eyes on what is unseen, not just on what is seen. Fix your focus, not just on what is temporary, but what on a, is on what is eternal. Don't put all your hope in this life. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. Don't put all your faith in this world. This world, it's not your home. This isn't where your true rest will be found. Your home, your rest is yet to come. So don't put your hope in just this life. Don't just seek your ultimate rest by escaping whatever from this life. Come on, everybody. Let's put our hope, our trust in Jesus. Let's keep coming back again and again and again to his presence. Let's remember that this life isn't all there is. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you first that we have access in this life to your presence, that we have access to what you've accomplished for us on the cross of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that you paid the price. Thank you that when you finished, you said it is done, it is finished. Thank you that we have access to your grace, to your mercy, to your provision. But thank you also that we have access to ceaseless, to, to end ceaseless striving in our life, that we have access to rest, but only in your presence. Thank you that we have a hope beyond this life that this life is not all there is. Thank you that there is a Sabbath rest that is to come where we spend endless days praising, worshiping, glorifying, basking in the beauty and the presence of Jesus. I pray right at this, the end of this year, the beginning of the next, that you would help us to look up for our redemption draws nigh. God's cause us not to just focus 
on the temporary, on the seen, but help us to fix our eyes on what is unseen, what is not yet, but is to come. That, that kind of glory that you promise for those who remain faithful to, to do, to follow, to be who you want us to be, to be all that you've called us to be. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.